Attention, everyone. This is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Positively Hard, a horror movie review podcast with a morbid affection for the macabre. I am, as always, your host and reverend that knows too much about the supernatural, Will Liam. And joined, as always, by my co-host, Dead Silence. Yes, that's right, Amanda Lane Olsen will not be here for some of this episode, The relentless forces of cheer this holiday season have made it their job to keep us from keeping the reason for the season, which, of course, you know, is terror. But we have been determined to bring you another episode on these most terrible, terrible, frightening times as Christmas and New Year's. Both reminded of family we don't like and the relentless march forward of time. This week's episode is 2009's ghost horror movie, The Haunting, in Connecticut. Now, the first thing I need to say is that if you're looking to watch this movie, you should know that there is also a movie called A Haunting in Connecticut, which I guess is less specific. Do not confuse them. I did. And I ended up watching 10 minutes of A Haunting in Connecticut, which is a uh, very, very bad documentary about the true haunting that uh, this movie is based off of. Uh, it's not good. It uh, It's terrible. And I I just, it started and I was like, oh, maybe this movie is a found footage, you know, horror movie. Or it starts found footage, maybe. Uh, no, it was just, I was just, I did it bad. So, I found the real one. So make, do not follow in my footsteps. Uh, despite my computer dying, uh, I managed to resurrect it. Uh, then... Our audio files also dying, but like I said, we are determined to bring you this episode. So uh, we do have, I managed to get the coroner's report and the autopsy with the lovely Amanda Lane Olsen. But if you're like me and listen to movie review podcasts about movies you've never seen, I thought, you know, you could use at least a short synopsis so you know what the hell we're talking about when we get to that. So this movie actually starts with a found footage sort of... uh, vibe to it the not quite the main character but the mother of the main character is monologuing like she's doing an interview and she's talking about losing her son uh, in the past tense as if he is dead and he pops up in the back seat and is you know like what are you doing and she says talking to god and he immediately makes a quip and then says he's going to be sick and then runs out of the car and vomits Uh, We get the story that he is suffering from a very severe type of cancer that, you know, there is no other treatment, but he he qualifies for a experimental treatment that is at a singular hospital, a several hour drive away from 
the home of this family. And, you know, the mother comments that he's in pain the entire ride, he's sick, they have to stop for him to throw up, and they need to be closer. But the family's already suffering from money problems, you know, just they had just bought this house, their business isn't doing well, and, you know, the real monster of any movie, the American healthcare system, is terrible, so obviously this is costing them a good deal of money as well. But the father relents and says, you know, we'll, we'll mortgage our mortgage and, and we'll get another place closer to the hospital. And cue a montage of the mother going to places that are too expensive or just absolute garbage. Finally, she sees a lovely house and says, screw it, I'll ask about it. You know, classic, you know, the rent's cheap, the house is beautiful, what's the catch? Uh, the man that she's speaking to says, well, bit of a history. And then we cut away. For a while, I was wondering if he that's all he said, and she didn't inquire further. But uh, she decides not to take it, because clearly he did tell her, uh, this house used to be a mortuary. That sounds awesome to me. I would live there. But I guess for normal people, uh, they were not interested. After another drive home, uh, Matt, her son, is in pain again, and she says, screw it, and she stops, and she calls the guy, and she they move right in. That's it. That's the place. Almost immediately, Matt begins to suffer hallucinations. Now, at first, this isn't quite an alarm bell, because part of one of the side effects of his experimental procedure can be hallucinations, but the doctors told him if they happen, he has to stop the process, and so he keeps this to himself. He's, you know, seeing... Uh, a few dead people. Some One of his hallucinations is a crab. Maybe it's just me. I, crabs are not scary. They are delicious. I also liked that the the process was very science fiction-y. They put this mesh over the boy's face, and then they put his head in a machine. And it. I don't think the movie intended this. My headcanon is that the this process, whatever it is doing to his brain, is creating is making it so he is able to perceive through the veil a little bit and see the other side more than the rest of his family. Because if, at first they play with the idea that this is all in Matt's head, which then they, they stop and the rest of the family begins to get, you know, spooked and menaced as well, which we'll talk about in the autopsy, but I wish they had played with that a little more. I don't know, the movie works, because then he meets this this character later on that's also doing the procedure, and he can also see the dead. Now, this character posits that because they are so close to death, that's why they can perceive it more. I don't know. I, I liked the idea that whatever this process is, it's it's unlocking something in their brains. So, it, it was just a fun headcanon that I had. We start to see Matt begins to have dreams. Uh, also, he moves into the basement, which is where the, the where they took the bodies to, you know, do the... I don't know a lot about it. Formaldehyde? I know that's in there. Whatever the process to prepare them for for burial well they don't know that at first but there's just there's like a locked glass panel that on the other side is like the lab which are i mean it just this basement is not a living to be lived in basement but i guess they relent a relent a little bit because you know he's dying so why not let him live in a creepy dirty basement they also begin to play he begins to have dreams of seances and a creepy beard man um you know, cutting up the bodies, cutting eyelids off of the bodies, this thing of a, hallucinations of a boy. And one thing they really nail is while he's having these dreams and hallucinations, the, the audio, the sound mixing is phenomenal. They, they make this creepy noise that I know at one point I heard a dog, like a, like a dog growl. So they're doing that, that exorcism style, you know, playing with your lizard brain, trying to get you to be afraid 
at a base level, not just like a, a movie level. And so they, it's another thing that this movie does very well. They also, oh, the mom, before they unlock the, the, the laboratory door, the rest of the family does not know this is a mortuary. And the mom finds a bunch of uh, death pictures. The, the, the picture, the mortem. Back in the day when uh, the only time the average person ever had their photograph taken was with their family when they were dead. And they'd prop them up like they're alive. It's very cool. And I would have kept those pictures. I think those are awesome. Like, I would, I'd buy those on eBay if they're not expensive. But she, she throws them out, which is disrespectful. I don't think that played the way that they wanted it to. They they begin to realize that not only is this a mortuary, but something darker was happening here. They kind of start to believe Matt. Matt talks to his uh, cousin who's living with the family and her little sister. And they go to the library, which is fun, you know. Because it's just, there's something about having to look up some old microfiche makes hauntings much more real to me because if you just google it I don't know, it takes something away from it but eventually they contact this uh the other man from the the procedure who turns out is a, a reverend but he doesn't come off like a like it feels like they changed whatever his title was going to be because he's like a spiritualist he's more like a counselor and he has the Dungeons and dragons monster manual knowledge of different types of ghosts and their powers and weaknesses and it was very specific he immediately is like oh this is necromancy uh these these souls are trapped here by the spells that this beardman you're seeing has cast these eyelids that were cut off from these bodies are, are you know either to keep the dead blind or or keep them unseen or some it's a necromantic spell which already i'm like oh but the family's just falling apart. They they bring this reverend back to their home. Uh, he performs a, a seance type thing. But he does end up finding um, the burned remains of the boy that uh, Matthew has been seeing. This, this Johan. They take them and they perform a little rite. He takes them out of the house. And he says, you know, this house is clean. And, and drives off. In very the ring, you weren't supposed to help her fashion classic horror movie the twist is that boy was doing his best to protect people from the spirits the people that the that this old beard man had trapped here that's what the seances were that's what the necromancy was he was trapping these the souls of these dead bodies inside the house for i don't know fun probably no, he was, they were performing seances and they were very powerful because all these souls were pre-trapped inside this home uh matthew who's at the hospital is visited by Johan. They have this cool moment where they look into each other's eyes, and I think Matthew finally understands. Uh, also, the the doctor said that you know the procedure has not been going well, and that he is don he's probably he shouldn't be alive right now. The cancer has become so bad. So Matthew runs into the house. He has an axe. Uh, the the sisters are there, and they're like, "Oh, Matthew, what the fuck?" And the, the movie wants you to think. He's coming to kill them. And he just tells them to leave. He shoves them out of the house. And then he just starts going madhouse on these on these walls. Just hacking away. And there's just bodies. The, the walls are lined with dead bodies. And he's just ripping them out of the wall. Ripping them out of the ceiling. Out of the floorboards. And then spraying formaldehyde everywhere. And lights the house on fire. At this point, the, the mom, who didn't know where her son had gone when he escaped the hospital, sees the house on fire and just runs in. They get the, she finds him and he's just unconscious on the floor. She, you know, grabs him. They hug each other. 
and you know the, it looks like they're going to burn and then a fireman hacks through the wall and grabs them very badass matthew looks dead or he is dead uh, they're doing cpr they're doing uh compressions i don't think they had the defibrillator uh, the Reverend is there. Suddenly, Matthew comes back to life, and which is my least favorite thing. I wish, <laughs> I wish this boy had died. But and again, we you know we cover a lot of this in the autopsy and in the in the coroner's report. But I think it hurt the movie. Matthew didn't die. He you know he chooses to help him because he knows you know what he's been going through. And I think by not letting his letting him die because that he was willing to it kind of cheapens the sacrifice but uh that's the end of the movie it's 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 a simple plot uh we will be reviewing it when i am rejoined by the brought back to life through technology amanda lane olsen and here we are with the autopsy yeah so assume i did a very good job summarizing this movie and okay I have the lovely Amanda Lane Olsen here, even though we've had some shitty technical difficulties. Uh, I didn't want to have an entire cast without you, so I thought I'd no. I'd bring you on digitally for the uh, the coroner's report and the autopsy. All right, good. I had posited a theory that this uh, medical process that, that they were putting Max is it Matt now? Yes, Matt. Yeah, that they're putting Matt through is unlocking something in his brain that is allowing him to see ghosts. And I think that's why his weird old man friend mm-hmm. can also see the ghosts. Because I mean, they're both undergoing the same cancer treatment? Yes. I th- Yeah, they, they do believe they say he's, he's doing the same treatment. So I, And I know well, the rest of the family, like I said, I wish they had waited before they had the ghosts haunt everyone else. To leave it a little mm-hmm. more mysterious, if like maybe maybe he's going insane, just to like yeah. I, don't know. I mean, I I am currently well. I just finished it the other night, and I stayed up forever reading it. But I just finished a book where the main character um, is undergoing uh, cancer treatment, also for his brain, and it's almost at the point where it is basically guaranteed to be terminal. And one of the things that they say is that in the first, like, 24 hours or so after your initial treatment, you might be prone to hallucinations and things. So that's one of the plot points of the book that I was reading was, like, is the thing that he saw supernatural or is it, like, a hallucination? And I I definitely agree with you. I wish that that had played into this a little more, too, because I, I agree with you that it would have been really neat to... Um, to go into it with the idea that it might still actually all be in his head. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we've only watched a couple of horror movies, and not many of them have been uh, ghost or or poltergeist or haunting related. But I wish that that was a thing, because horror movies play with it a little bit. It, sometimes, if somebody, like Hereditary, which we will talk about in the very near future. Um, oh my god, that movie. <laughs> I was, I really thought for a while the, the main character uh, suffering from their, uh, you know, hereditary mental degeneration. Agreed. And I, I they did play with that for a while, and I think they did a good mm-hmm. job. But I almost, mm-hmm. I think I want to see a movie where either you don't know by the end or or you find out there was no 
monster, no no ghost. It was a, a person that lost their mind. Yeah, I know there are a lot of movies that dabble with playing with that idea, but I have not yet seen one that really goes full force into that idea. And I agree with you. I would love to see something that is like this supernatural thing is entirely in their mind or is so... It could go either way, and there is no definitive proof one way or the other. Yeah, because you just don't know by the end. And now I forget the name. There is a uh, uh, oh, what's that actor's name from Aliens? Oh, anyway, uh, Frailty is the name. The one of... that you keep mistaking for other white actors? Or... I'm, sh- I'm sure I have. Uh, <laughs> Frailty is the name of the movie, and in that, they do the reverse, but it, it's still interesting. The whole time, it's, you know, a crazy dad who's a serial killer, and he sees demons, okay. and and his one son tries to stop him, and this and that. And then at the very, very end of the movie, they, they throw a little bit of doubt at you, like maybe it was demons. And, I, and they do it, yeah, it's cool. So, the ref- yeah. just, yeah, it's a little... A little hint, a little just to play with it a little more. I think would have helped mm-hmm. this movie, and, and I would like to see in, in future movies. So, if anyone's listening and wants to suggest movies like that, yes, we'd love those. Let us know in the comments. Uh, one d- thing about do your okay, I, I was going to say one thing about this movie that I, I noticed when I was watching it was, and I talk about this all the time, but this one, this movie was the one where I really started to notice it for the first time. Uh, so the first time that I actually watched The Haunting in Connecticut was in October uh, with my sister and her roommate. One of them commented that they noticed that any time something scary happened and they would cover their eyes, I covered my ears instead, and they commented on that to me. And yeah, which... I noticed it was entirely because of the sound design. Mm-hmm. And that is in my notes, and I will absolutely cover that in the synopsis. Are you going to talk about the dog sounds? I didn't even notice there were dog sounds, honestly. I didn't, like, pick up necessarily on it. I just heard it all together as a unit, and it was just unnerving. Yeah, that that's something that this movie did very well, is the sound, the creepy, unsettling, base human reaction sound design. And at one point, mm-hmm. I am... 100% certain I heard a dog growl mixed in. That's crazy. Which, you know, that's the, the exorcism. Yes, I, that's the one. That's like the, you know, the go-to. I don't know if they're the first to do that, but they, you know, they kind of invented that style uh-huh. of bee sounds and dog sounds and, like, making you as a human uncomfortable. Yeah. And the movie, that, the movie like, did that. Tricking, tricking, like, your limbic system into getting that fight-or-flight response going. Now, how did you feel about uh, the boy, the boy, um, the boy, <laughs> not dying? Oh, about cancer getting miraculously cured. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a giant cop out. I thought it was also a giant cop out. I hated him. Yeah, I that... hated it so much. Maybe one of my. I was like, I was totally with it. Up until that, and I was like, oh, come the fuck on. Yeah, Are we really going to... But at the same time, like, I understood 
understand to a point why they did that, because the entire movie focuses a whole lot on these, like, typical, like, um, Christian-centric ideas Mm -hmm. of life and death and the afterlife and all of that, and, like, the, the savior in the end ends up being the reverend, and it's all this whole thing, and I understand that there is sort of the idea of the grace of God healing, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, maybe it's just because I am not entirely Christian anymore, because it... Well, yeah, but even with because uh, like you said, a lot of horror movies focus on the Judeo-Christian, you know, whatever. But even mm-hmm. with that, I still think him dying serves the movie better. You know, oh, it absolutely him does. And, it's him like and... a, him sacrificing himself, like you know, he intended to do. To and then him and the German boy kind of go hand in hand to like heaven or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, they both succeeded in what they intended to do, and helped the other spirits pass over, and so then they also, too, like, shepherd them across, you know? Yeah, because I think it ruins his sacrifice. I think it cheapens it, because he was willing... It, it, it does. For those... He was willing to give his life, but the fact that he didn't have to, it... it yeah, it, it always takes away yeah. from, like, oh, since you were willing to, that's enough, and it's like, eh, but it cheapens it. He... he really does i completely agree with you like he shouldn't have died i hate i hate saying those words no but it's a horror movie it's allowed he, to have a bad should, sad ending dead yeah he, he should have stayed dead that's another thing that we'll probably talk about a lot covering horror movies is that i think there's always that a tough decision at the end whether yeah. the main character gets out or it has a happy ending because it doesn't have to it's, it's not supposed to be a a movie that makes you feel right. better, mm-hmm. which I think yeah, you know, no, Cabin I think, in the Woods covered the people, very well. The people who this movie very probably wanted it to have an uplifting ending. Yeah, it does feel like but, a, a after write or a, a yeah because I feel like test audience. That's what I was looking for with with the opening with the mother talking as though she's being recorded for like a TV documentary or something. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would make more sense for her to be in that situation. If her son had actually died in the process of this. Yeah. You know? Uh, like, why I'm, would they be talking to her? Why would they be talking to him if he mm-hmm. made it out alive? I'm, I'm definitely going to cover this at the beginning of the synopsis, but uh, apparently there's the haunting in Connecticut and a haunting in Connecticut. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, this is so bad. Okay. There's no yeah. way Amanda recommended this for the podcast. And then I, I looked up that I had the wrong article at the beginning of the title. I mean, and it was that and the book that A Haunting in Connecticut was based on, which is uh, In a Dark Place, The Story of a True Haunting. Mm-hmm. It was those two things together that inspired The Haunting in Connecticut. Huh. That is what I have heard. I know that the book is definitely the root for both of those two things. Yeah, you think maybe they wanted to do a little more found footage, uh, like, documentary kind of thing? Because the movie does 
the real movie, the does start that way with her like interview, the the mom's interview, and then they kind of mm-hmm. lose that like right away. And maybe that was just something that they, you know. It... I yeah, I I wish that there was more of that like interspersing of the. Um, but then again, the that kid would have needed to die for that to really work. Yeah. Exactly. So, did you like this movie? I, honestly, I did, yes. Um, I think that it was a movie that was not like a typical kind of horror movie. Oh, um, and it had, it had straight-up ectoplasm. I appreciated that. I, it did have straight-up ectoplasm. But in the end, I think it was just like a really compelling story about a family's like, tragic story struggle and how the supernatural came into play yes that made that struggle worse that is something i like because a lot of times with especially like earlier horror movies there's uh always that complaint that like why are the characters still there why are they in this house why are they you know doing this and that why is everyone so dumb in a horror movie and what another thing they have a fucking reason they need to be in that house they need this place they need his treatment they need to be there it's not until things get like fucking terrifying and like the dad goes off the handle Mm -hmm. and all of that jazz that it really really gets off as being you know too dangerous for them to stay yeah so yeah i because i i liked the movie i'm someone I mean, the whole point of this is to talk positively about a genre most people think is kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. I am someone that can pick a movie apart and find things I really like in it, and it makes me feel positive about the movie. Because I don't right, think absolutely. I don't think this was a great movie, but I think some of the things, the choices they made, and the some of the scenes, like there was just parts that were really, really good. And I so, completely agree with you. I think. Overall, it was not a particularly, like, crazy successful horror movie. Like, oh, don't get me wrong. I was terrified, but that's also because <laughs> I lived. Um, and I also had a lot of previous, you know, anxiety around this movie because I used to watch the preview for it um, literally every time that I sat down to watch Repo the Junita Copra because they were both uh, produced by Twisted Pictures. Right. And so I would always see that, and it would always freak me out because I'd be like, oh, no, it's a horror movie. I hate it (laughs) Um, because I'm a wimp. Uh, But at the same time, I think there were some things that they they really did do well and some scenes in particular that just gave me the absolute heebie-jeebies and really, like, the desired effect absolutely shone through. So... Would you like to hear the coroner's report? Oh, I have some aspect of the coroner's report all ready up. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the rest of the world did not really like this movie very much. Yeah, well, that's what I... The dichotomy in this... So the budget was uh, $10 million estimated. Uh-huh. Uh, opening weekend was only... Tw- well, not only. I mean, it doubled its budget. It was $23 million. Yeah. USA was 55 uh, Mine doesn't have, like, worldwide... Cumul- yeah, so it only added like another $25 million. The total $77 million. So the movie financially is a, a hit. Right. Which I I think this may be the biggest dichotomy between its box office gross and how people feel about it. I think you are correct in that. 
I also think maybe that might have to do with um, their ability to put together a really fantastic trailer for it. Yeah. That really makes you want to see it. Cause the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Rotten Tomato, the audience score is 45%, which I think is kind of fair. That is fair. That's, but, that's about what I would give it, honestly. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I would probably go a little higher for me personally, but talking like overall effect, I think that's about right. You want to throw a guess at uh, what the, the tomato score is? Oh, I'm looking at it right now, and oh. it's right down there at a 17%. Yeah, that's crazy for it being, like, it made back and, and what, almost quadrupled? No, more than that. Se- yeah. Septupled its budget? Right. Which I always get excited about that. Like, I'm always just happy to see horror movies succeed. And I also had the Metacritic up, which the Metascore uh-huh. is 33 and then the user scores is 6.0, which is actually higher than I think it should be, but... I mean, that's that's around on par with about where I thought. So when you looked at the uh, tomato meter, did you look at what the top critics said about it? I did not. Wow. Did they, they rip it, it apart? 7%. So Jeez. all critics' tomato meter score is 17%, but for the top critics, it's only at a seven. Wow. Yeah, they, I know. I That's just wild to me. It's harsh. Yeah, seriously. But I guess, now, the way know. that it seems to be is that people are not really impressed and that they think that it's a fairly lazy story. I Yeah, and I think it's easy to... It's very popular for critics to, to poo on horror movies. I think we're going to come across that a lot because even if they're good... Yeah, it's a genre that right. no one wants to take seriously, even though there's... And then if they do, they always, like, they want to change what the jo- the genre is. Like when uh, uh, Get Out came out, mm-hmm. which is a horror movie, and, you know, it was intended to be a horror movie, and then everyone reviewed it so well, and it did so well, they was like, oh, no, it's a, th- it's a thriller, it's a drama. It's like, no, it's a horror movie that's really, really good. So, yeah, so I, I think this might be a trend, but we'll see. But, you know, good on them for making their money. Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, uh, there was actually a sequel to this movie. I was just um, going to bring that up because the title does not make sense to me. I, I know. The, the title doesn't make sense, but apparently the sequel is actually quite good. Uh, wow. Then so we... what I have heard from my sister and her roommates who decided <laughs> that they wanted to watch the sequel after we saw the first one. So um, the immediate sequel is called The Haunting in Connecticut 2, Ghosts of Georgia. Now, <laughs> Which I guess if the ghosts of Georgia hitchhike up to Connecticut. <laughs> that's not exactly how it works. It is essentially a similar style movie. It, it's meant to be like The Haunting in Connecticut is the first of a series of haunting movies. Yeah, but then you can't... And Use the and I understand that's probably some studio exec's dumb decision, but you should just use oh, the I title yeah. "The Haunting Inn" as your your go to. Don't use. Or the... you could just straight up call it "Ghost of Georgia." Well, people want that name recognition, but yeah, just call it "The Haunting in Georgia." Don't like don't call it "The Haunting was... in a Place." The ghosts of a different place. Well, right, and so the um there is there was supposed to be. A third movie in the series, 
that was haunt- announced in 2010, but I do not think it came to fruition. The Haunting in Connecticut, uh, Ghosts of Mars. The Amityville Murders, a haunting on Long Island. <laughs> you can't just keep changing the place. <laughs> I think that might be why this didn't pan out. Because Haunting in Connecticut 2 definitely was made, but I have not heard a thing about Haunting on my But you can't have the... Like, you can't do Texas Chainsaw Massacre Hawaiian Bloodbath. (laughs) You make a valid point. You know what? I take that back. I agree with you. I think the name is stupid, but apparently the story is good. If the family from... Texas Chainsaw Massacre did go on a Hawaiian vacation, then that title is valid. Yeah. Well, but the thing with these is that they have no relation to one another, so the title is stupid. I'm not a... I'm, I'm gonna try to go into these if we do watch them with a positive outlook, as is required contractually, but... Yes, indeed. It does <laughs> not sound good. All right. So that was The the Haunting in Connecticut. <laughs> what a movie. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, have a spooky night. We will be back yeah. with our regular programming next week. Remember, guys, there's a lot of weirdos out there. So we're not alone. All right, happy <laughs> holidays, guys. <laughs>